Welcome to the Commercial Intelligence Briefing Podcast, brought to you by NAR Commercial, the National Association of Realtors. In this program, a conversation with Todd Clark, CCIM. Todd is a fourth-generation Realtor specializing in commercial real estate and a second-generation CCIM designee. He's the owner of NM Apartment Advisors, a regional apartment brokerage firm, and Cantera Consultants and Advisors, a full-service international consulting firm. I'm your podcast host, Steve Lubetkin. Todd Clark is an award-winning international CCIM instructor who's authored and taught courses around the globe to thousands of students. His courses are energetic, dynamic, and focused on adding value to the clients. And Todd is also recognized as a technology expert. He's had success taking the leading edge in technology and applying it in commercial real estate. Todd has also won numerous awards for teaching, marketing, and for volunteering. He was the founder of the Commercial Association of Realtors in New Mexico. He's also a past president of the New Mexico CCIM chapter and served in a number of volunteer positions within the CCIM Institute. He joined us by Skype from his office in New Mexico. Todd, thanks very much for joining us on the NAR Commercial Intelligence Briefing Podcast. Steve, it's always a pleasure to be here with you and to help out in our commercial. Well, we do appreciate it. And uh, I wonder, Todd, if we could start uh, by getting uh, a sense from you of where you see the big changes that are coming in demographics because of the generational movement that we're seeing in the industry. What does that mean for real estate, especially for commercial real estate in the coming decades? Well, Steve, I think it's a a very... uh timely question and a really good question right now, because a lot of us kind of nationally are coming out of a fairly large downturn and and feeling like we're still in survival mode. Uh, But I'll tell you, if you look to a lot of different demographic sources that are out there, and most of which I think are very conservative, the really good news is between now and 2050, the amount of commercial real estate on this planet is going to double. And it's hard to envision it now when we still have really high office vacancy rates, when there's a number of foreclosures still out there in the single-family home market, when industrial properties are not doing terribly well. Uh, But if you look at some resources like uh, Greg Lindsay, who's the author of the Aerotropolis book, who's spent the last few years kind of traveling the planet, looking at all of these cities that are coming up and being born, in in particular in Asia, uh, and you look at the urbanization trend, we just in the last year or so passed over that 50% threshold where more than half of the people on this planet live in a major city as opposed to the rural countryside, then it's really good news for commercial real estate, the fact that there's going to be such a high and increasing demand uh, for commercial real estate in the future. If it's, I mean, for me, it's really hard to visualize my own town in the next couple of decades doubling how much real estate it needs to just keep up with demand. So I think that's pretty fabulous and, and good news at a time when a lot of us need it. But as it relates more, relates more specifically to your question about the changing demographics and, and what that means from these generations that move so much, I think in the United States at least, the most interesting thing is that the two largest demographic bulges working their way through the system are, of course, the baby boomers and the echo boomers, Gen Y, millennial generation, uh, whatever you'd like to call them. They are the grandkids for the most part of the baby boomers, and they're about 10% larger than the baby boomers. And there's a number of really interesting and I think compelling stories in that Gen Y. And we'll spend a little bit of time talking about the baby boomers. Uh, But in, in that Gen Y, it's really an entirely new game. And I think um, 
going to be some difficult times for a lot of the property owners who have assets today, typically who fall into that baby boomer generation, because there's such a disconnect between the two generations and how they feel about what they value and how they feel about each other. Uh, for example, when they ask the, the baby boomers to define themselves, they talk about civic duty, uh, giving back to others. Um, and then if you get into some of the details of how they live their lifestyle, a lot of baby boomers have a very or, or have the desire to have very large residences because they've had a lifetime of collecting things. But uh, they only want one bedroom. They don't want to have space for Junior to come back again when he comes back from college. They just want to say, oh, we'd love to have you here, but your bedroom bedroom's no longer here. So large collections to, to hold, uh, large apartments or houses to hold their stuff, their collections, but one bedroom units. Well, that's a big disconnect from what the product is today. Uh, we're seeing, you know, in the past, these kind of typical suburban households of three, four bedrooms sitting on a quarter acre of land. And, uh, and that's no longer the product that they want. They want to be urban. They want to be able to walk to the drugstore and the grocery store, the movie theater, the Barnes and Nobles, the Apple store. And they're going to be abandoning their product in, in mass droves. But they are also the landlords for and, and investors who own the commercial real estate for this Gen Y who started their own businesses or who is looking to move into their apartments. And, and I think the Gen Y story is just fascinating because they are the first generation on this planet that has always known the internet. They've uh, always had Google as a resource. They really don't, if you threw a white pages or yellow pages at them, they, they wouldn't know what to do with it. And if they did, they would they would think how archaic that you even did this. And that would quickly be followed on something that's always present in the back of their mind, which is how ungreen of you to have killed so many trees, to have printed this directory of businesses that's almost instantly out of date. And they, unlike the baby boomers, they, they also have, or like the baby boomers, they have very large collections, but unlike the baby boomers, all of their collections is in a digital format. Uh, they have pictures from traveling the globe and from collecting from their friends on Facebook and Tumblr and Twitter and other places. They have a large music and movie collection of their favorites, but it's all built into iTunes or sitting on an Amazon cloud server somewhere. And for the most part, all of their content can be folded into a, a, a backpack. And that's how they choose to live. Un unlike the baby boomers who wanted to collect things, the Gen Y wants to collect experiences. And they're a whole lot more interested in living lean and mean and having, you know, inexpensive IKEA furniture, a very small apartment, which is really somewhere just to crash at night, and, and then going out as much as possible, whether going out means uh, living in an urban area and traveling to different restaurants every night to try something new, or truly going out and adventuring and traveling the globe. Um, so, you know, why disparity in what they're looking for? And again, as we take that back to product type, the Gen Y is really driving this new apartment uh, lifestyle where they choose apartments over ownership. Uh, they're going to have a dozen uh, jobs between when they graduate college and when they turn 40, and they can't begin to gamble on the single-family housing market because they, they, they won't recover their money. Uh, if they're working in an Albuquerque Intel plant, a uh, typical term is three years, and then you have the opportunity to move to Mesa, Arizona, or, or sorry, Chandler, Arizona, or, or to Dublin, Ireland, where the other plants are, and, and they just want the ability and the flexibility to rent. And candidly, they've been renting their entire life anyway. 
uh, which is going to bring up some interesting challenges for apartment landlords who uh, have very lengthy leases full of lead-based paint disclosures and federal fair housing disclosures. And here's all the things that we can do to you if you don't pay your rent. And, and this generation is not going to read that lease any more than they read the universal licensing agreements that come in the uh, you know, installation of Microsoft Word or, or Office products or Windows or Mac or any of the other software tools that all of us just click on and say, yeah, 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 let me just get to the program I want. They're going to do the same thing on leases. They're not going to spend the time on that. And really, their preferred form of lease is, here's my credit card or here's my PayPal account. Uh, you give me space. I, I need it for 42 days. I don't really care about months or other things or whatever period they're looking at. And in return for that, you ding my credit card or my PayPal account. So the, those are, I think, some really big changes uh, demographically on both sides. And for the most part, I find them very exciting uh, because it, it's an indication we need a lot of new product. Uh, and it's an indication of some big changes that we're going to see that I think will make us more efficient and, and maybe even change core values to something uh, that, that resembles what a lot of us have an interest in. It's a dramatic change in terms of the kinds of uh, properties that they're looking for for personal use. But as we also found out earlier this year in a conversation we had with Sam Foster, one of the other NAR Commercial Signature Series speakers, the impact of this changing demographic is also being seen in commercial product types in, in office space and how it's configured in industrial space. Can you talk a little bit about what you see there? Oh, absolutely. And, and thanks for, for the shameless plug. Uh, both Sam Foster, myself, uh, Patricia Lynn, and Jim Rosen are all CCIM instructors who about 18 months ago came together and said, it's time for some really good news. And, and let's don't just do market forecasts anymore where we rehash what market rents are, cap rates and, and occupancy rates. But let's really look to what's coming in the future and how can we position ourselves to be in the future when this new uh, demand comes down the road, and, and the four of us have put together a program for NAR Commercial called Views from the Edge or the Views from the Future of Commercial Real Estate. I think the most radical change after residential uses uh, coming in the near future is, is office uses. When we look at these demographic changes, the other thing that has always been a key driver of commercial real estate has been employment base. Who, who's out there and uh, what are they adding in the new way of new jobs? We've been an entirely growth-driven segment of the economy uh, commercial real estate has. If we don't have growth, then we have declining occupancy and declining rent. So we spend a lot of time tracking that employment. Well, in this stagnant market, you know, recovering from the, the worst recession we've seen in, in 70 years, uh, we've not seen a lot of that growth. And so it's had a lot of these landlords kind of retooling and saying, well, how do I move to where there is demand? And the fastest growing segment of employment growth today is in the small businesses, in the creative classes, as uh, Richard Florida would say. These are white collar workers who typically can uh, typically travel a lot for their businesses. They can be located anywhere in the globe so long as they have a fast internet connection. So they share that with the, the Gen Y folks. Um, and they really search for where they're going to live and operate out of on two main things. One of them is uh, proximity to an airport. Uh, in Greg Lindsay's book, Aerotropolis, it's chapter after chapter after chapter about people who choose to live in cities that are going to grow up around their airports because of the, the absolute need to be able to be anywhere else on the planet in a short amount of time. And then the other thing they're looking for is quality of living. Where do I have the least amount of traffic? Uh, housing doesn't absolutely kill me to, to have. Uh, and if I have kids, you know, I have quality education. And then a lot of interesting things to do. Then what they're looking for in commercial real estate is really important. 
And Patricia spends quite a bit of time talking to office developers in a very dynamic part of San Francisco where they're catering to these Gen Y folks, the Mark Zuckerbergs of Facebook and, and the other startup industries, and asking them, you know, what are you looking for in space? The most interesting thing is, is cubicles are gone. Offices are gone. They have wide open spaces and a lot of communal areas. And there are some dedicated places where if you need some quiet to work through an assignment, you can go into a, a you know, kind of a Maxwell Smart or Get Smart uh, um, you know, cone of silence room. But that is the exception, not the rule. And most of us grew up with office space where if you did really well and were successful for your company, your reward was to get that office space. Well, now the trend is to be in this communal space, to be in an area where you can share it with others. And the other big change is decreasing office demand. You know, for 20 years, we've seen this forecast of when we go paperless, we're going to see less demand for office. And I think that started to come true just as the economic downturn started because technology finally matched the ability to make that pretty easy and seamless. But the other part of that trend is this traveling trend and the acknowledgement from major employers that I may not even need to give you an office headquarters anymore. Uh, IBM Leveno, when IBM sold off its computer division to, to Leveno, they said, you know, we don't even need a corporate headquarters, a global headquarters. We're going to have three major office facilities and do office hoteling. So the one that comes to mind is in a fabulous building in Frankfurt uh, called The Square. And uh, it's, it's basically office hoteling. You go and check in and, and log into your desktop, and it's just like you were anywhere else. And the only thing you have to be aware of is, is what time zone you're in. So the, those are big changes. And then I think the other one that's, that's interesting is this, this uh, evolution of the third place. And I think realtors will really appreciate this uh, more than a lot of folks do. But it's this acknowledgement that not only if I have my smartphone and my internet connection, not only do I need it in an office, um, I don't need an office in a particular location, say, next to the CEO's you know, uh, neighborhood, which is typically how a lot of uh, offices have been located. I need to be closer to my clients. And what, what, what can I find that's a good place to meet with them? Well, there seems to always be a Starbucks somewhere. And the Starbucks have really evolved into being this third place. Free internet connections, a nice drink. Uh, you can sit very comfortably and wait for somebody. And, and if you go and typically, you know, in any Starbucks and, and do a survey, I bet you'll find 30 to 50% of the people sitting there in any given day are actually there doing business. And so this has kind of evolved to that third place. And in fact, Patricia and Sam and I just did this presentation in Portland, Oregon, and she was on the way back from Shanghai uh, prior to, to meeting us in Portland to to convene and do this, she'd taken pictures, and, and I don't remember which major uh, hub she'd gone through, if it was San Francisco or Chicago, but she was in the airport looking for some caffeine, wandered into a Starbucks, and took a photo. There was 20 people there, and a company had a very ad hoc sales meeting, took over half of a Starbucks in the airport, and that became their third place, their office. They had everything they needed. They had thrown up a big screen. They had a PowerPoint going. They had uh, lots of lively conversation. It looked like they might have even had somebody on a Skype conference call. Um, and so I think that this evolution of the third place is, is really exciting. And, uh, you know, that takes away from the office landlord but it's adding to the retail landlord who may be seeing Starbucks stores that are much larger in the future. And Starbucks might be changing their model a little bit. There are, for example, a number of these kind of co 
habitation co-location facilities across the globe now. There's a place in Atlanta called Rome where they have a monthly subscription fee. It gets you a certain number of meals from a world-class chef, a dedicated office space, but only when you drop in. It's not yours. It's only yours when you make that reservation for it and the ability to have impromptu meetings in the conference center. So uh, it's it's really exciting times because we're going to see a lot of this evolve. And I guess if I had one kind of boiled all down to brass tacks, what do you need to do in commercial real estate in the future? I think you need to be flexible. Uh, no longer are we going to see, for the most part, long-term office leases based on the um, amazing amount of tenant improvements a tenant needs. They're going to be looking for flexibility, uh, flexibility in term, flexibility in build-out, and I think they're going to be willing to pay premium for it. Uh, we had a major uh, a call center here, a Citibank in Albuquerque, that about 18 months ago looked at its corporate headquarters, looked at what it cost uh, for, for having to serve this region, and did a study and said, you know what, we'll send all of you folks to your house. We'll pay for a high-speed internet connection in your house. You can telecommute. You'll save yourself an hour to two hours a day of driving because a lot of them were coming from the west side or outside of Albuquerque. And we're going to give you a pay boost for this. We're not going to. We're going to take this money away from the office building cost and move it to the employers and employees and hope that you're happier for the things that you might have to give up. And maybe as as you move into your house, maybe your your family will have to spend a little bit more money upgrading your office so it's kind of dedicated and separate, uh, and maybe it's just going to be a pay increase for you. So we started to see this trend happen, not just from the demand side of the tenant saying, this is what I want to you know, be working in, but also from the employers responding to this. And, and I think it's inevitable that a lot of the landlords will be following. It's almost as if there's been, Todd, a paradigm shift from what used to be the status symbol, the proverbial corner office on the top floor, to a culture that values the mobility more so that the person who doesn't have an office is considered the more lucky, the more powerful, the more special, whatever. I think it's absolutely true. And, and if, if Patricia was here, I think the only correction she would have on that is there's a couple of key industries where that corner office just has not moved. Um, and, and in a society where we've seen the office, the typical office space go from 300 square feet per worker to 200 square feet per worker through technology and computers and going paperless and now down to 150 because we can be a little more efficient in it. You look to the attorneys, the legal sector and, and the bankers, the finance sector, and, and I don't mean your corner banker who's you know got a teller and, 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 and a couple of ATM machines. I mean the Wall Street investment banker. Well, we're seeing office spaces grow to 1,000 square feet per employee. So there are some places where that's still a status symbol. Uh, my guess is you'll still find those same people hanging out in a Starbucks doing business uh, but it's just something that they've come to expect. But for the most part, the, the balance of us, uh, we have a, a lot less need for it. Um, and, and, and the status symbol becomes the freedom of not having to be locked down into one office. What well, sounds like a very exciting time for commercial real estate and technology terms. And we wish you well with your NAR Signature Series programs. And thanks for being with us on the podcast. Steve, thanks so much for the time today. Todd Clark is a fourth-generation realtor specializing in commercial real estate. He's the owner of NM Apartment Advisors and Cantera Consultants and Advisors, and he's one of the NAR Commercial Signature Series speakers. You can get more information about Todd at his website, Todd Clark, two Ds and an E at the end of Clark.com. And for more information about NAR Commercial, visit the website realtor.org forward slash commercial. 
We produce these programs in the studios of Lubetkin Global Communications in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. For everyone at NAR Commercial and the National Association of Realtors, this is Steve Lubetkin. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you out there on the net. Take good care.